listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Podcasting to you from the middle of a wind tunnel, which is also known as Edmond, Oklahoma, where I am excited to hear about the Hoffman family trip. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And podcasting from back in Piedmont, Oklahoma, I'm Andrew Hoffman. So, there it is. Can you hear it, folks? The wind. That is not a sound effect. That is the wind outside Andrew's house. Outside my house. No window is open. There's (laughs) not really anything I can do about it. That's just what's going on right now. So, sorry about that. It's Oklahoma flavor. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'll tell you this, I get up and run every morning as we've talked about, uh, I, I get up to run this morning and I open the garage and it's the normal, you know, I, I've layered up I, I'm, I'm expecting 30 degrees, you know, it's, it's cold. So I'm all layered up. I got my gloves, and my hat, open the garage, stand there getting my, 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 my GPS tracking watch to, to synchronize so it can track the run. And all of a sudden the wind hits me. I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Like, the wind is it just makes it so much colder. I was like, I gotta get running before I get stand here much longer. I'm never gonna get out of this driveway. Yeah. So it's yeah, a, run downwind. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just gotta really gotta warm up basically, and after you get warmed up, it's a little bit easier. But goodness gracious, it's a it's a cold wind today. It's a cold. It's a cold wind. It was. It wasn't. It got up into the 60s, at least for where we were at. But uh, yeah, it's windy around here. That's for sure. So, yeah yeah so yeah i mean i don't know we've started shows out with worse things i guess you want the, the road trip saga i don't know if i want a whole saga maybe just a synopsis okay we'll, we'll just save it for later <laughs> hit me with it where'd you guys go come on we're, we're, we'll leave the people people waiting all right so <laughs> i decided to take today off of work Woo! And both the girls are on spring break. Yep. And we didn't really have any plans, so this was kind of like, okay, I'll take today off, and we'll 
well, do something, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, my wife has mentioned wanting to go see the Pioneer Woman Mercantile. Sure. Yep. Which is in Pahuska. Pahuska. Is it Osage County? Yes. So is that the one you told me you referred to and I didn't know? Probably. Re-Drummond? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because that's actually, as the crow flies, real close to where I grew up. Oh, okay. Okay. So that was the plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We get up, get everyone ready. And it's it's an old Honda Odyssey one of the doors doesn't really work and the other one slightly more works like it won't uh won't close on its own Mm -hmm. but you know it opens and it usually opens on its own and closes would not even open today oh so we're like oh do we even should we go get that fixed instead and like oh we can i can you know put some elbow grease into it and get the other the other door open about a foot and a half so we'll just do that so every every time in and out of the van i'm still buckling the the younger one into a a car seat so i'm like squeezing in crawling across the other side and and buckling her in but uh you know it worked and it kept working to that extent we never fully got locked in the van so that was, you know, off to kind of a rough start. Um, I didn't get the day off approved ahead of time, but it was kind of like, well, they didn't say I couldn't take it. And what are they going to do, fire me at this point? So, you know, it was just kind of, it was it was a little iffy taking off there. So we, uh, we went up. I-35 over to up to Tonkawa and I might might say it wrong not a native Oklahoman uh, went over and ate lunch at a place called Mary's Cafe in Ponca City oh well, there you go okay yeah yeah I'm look, I'm familiar with the area and then took Highway 60 over to Pahuska which mm-hmm. I kind of want to say Pahuska because that'd be cooler but it's I guess it's I looked it up it's Pahuska. Definitely Pahuska, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we passed the, the Drummond Ranch mm-hmm. and then went to the Pioneer Woman Mercantile, uh, which, you know, my wife liked it, and uh, my youngest didn't destroy anything of value in the store, so this was... So all in all a win, sounds all like. All in all a win, yeah. And we, uh, you know... Lunch went all right, and then so we decided to take a little different route back and went down to uh, Stillwater on the way back and ate dinner at um, Eskimo Joe's. Oh, nice. Next to the the stadium there. Yeah. Next to T Boone Pickens Stadium. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So, So, it's awesome. You know, I was excitedly showing my older daughter that that's a football stadium and i will be glad to point it out to her on television that she's been there and she believe it or not did not find that exciting that's interesting yeah yeah. that's too bad well but eskimo joe's is a big deal and if you've lived here long enough you know that 
I think there was a time, a period of time where Eskimo Joe's was the second largest t-shirt company in the world behind Hard Rock Cafe. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Eskimo Joe's. Like they're Eskimo. in the Haynes Hall of Fame. Yeah, there's a lot of Eskimo Joe's shirt. It's a it's a huge deal. My my daughter actually today was wearing an Eskimo Joe's shirt. So it's a uh, it's big part of uh, Oklahoma State University. Did I talk about that I took my son to a game a couple weeks ago? I guess I didn't talk about that on the show. Mm-mm. Yeah, we got some tickets from a friend, and uh, it was to... Uh, to an OSU Cowboys game up there in the same stadium. So the stadium is like a megaplex. There's a basketball stadium in the stadium. Okay. Yeah. So it was all, an, yeah. So it's not. It wasn't because there. I saw a circular thing. I thought that was the basketball stadium, but no, it's in the same. No, it's in the same building. So you wouldn't even. But know it's the all difference. like it's all right on campus, right? I mean, it's oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's. As, as you notice, cool there's thing. a lot there's, of football stadiums aren't anywhere near the actual college campus, so yeah, it's cool when when they are, for sure. And uh, yeah, as you notice, there wasn't a lot else in Stillwater. It's pretty much just that. <laughs> yeah, and then well, Eskimo Joe's. When you've been, you know, going through Ponca City and Pahuska, Stillwater <laughs> seemed like a pretty big metropolis there. To be honest with you, but yeah, that's uh, true. It was. Uh, I know they've got some good golf courses there because Oklahoma State's got probably the best college golf team in the country. But do they? Yeah, they have a surprising amount of good sports teams here. Uh, just for stuff you don't really think of, like I think the Wrestling Hall of Fame is at OSU, and then uh, the women's softball team last year for Oklahoma University was Oklahoma like Oklahoma won it all. Yeah. They won it all, and like. I mean, they were beating people by mercy rule. It was like fifteen yeah, I runs. Think I mean, just <laughs> number one this year too. But yeah, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of not the main core sports that uh, people focus on around here. Really good at them. Yeah, so we, that's awesome. I'm, it's I'm not like people care more about football than anything else, though. I mean, it's, no, they, yeah, they clearly do. But it's, I, I am, I am noticing as I'm getting into the kids' sports arena around here. They take all the sports pretty seriously. I'm going to tell you right now. The, the baseball, oh. the basketball, the soccer. They take it all pretty seriously. When it's your kids, it's a big deal. Yeah. So, huh? cool. Anyway, well, there you go. So, uh, I guess that's the show. So, Oklahoma Oklahoma <laughs> road trip. We get to know some parts of the state that we hadn't been, been to before, kind of intentionally. So, that was, that was fun. And classic... Oklahoma sunset on the way back and with uh, some wind once especially once we got back here so yeah well and uh, it's a little bit greener out that way yeah a little more trees a little bit I guess it's not greener because it's not it's not summer but a little more trees yeah yeah so you know I it's very different than the northwest but I would definitely prefer uh, basically any of the drive through eastern Oklahoma to the drive in eastern Oregon. So, <laughs> you know. That eastern Oregon drive, though, it's bad. Yeah, it's it so is, bad. It's yeah. so bad. Parts People don't. Of, it's like it's like picture a desert with no sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just 
occasionally the chemical weapon storage to break up the, sand, the skyline. But. Sand is too interesting. Just yeah. brush. <laughs> and that's not all of Eastern Oregon, but there is a section of I-84 where it's, it's pretty oh, it's, bad. Oh, it gets pretty bad. Yeah, no. I mean, there's some wonderful parts. You got Crater Lake, but that's kind of south central that's, area. Yeah, it's way south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's the parts that are t- difficult to drive to, which are nice um, up in the mountains and what have you. But yeah, it's it's different. It's uh, you know, Oklahoma. I think it's underrated, underrated scenic. But people yeah. can disagree, but. Yeah, I think it's more scenic than it gets credit for. Well, that's very kind of you. Very kind of you. I recently spoke to a lifelong Oklahoman who said, you know, it's a wonderful place to live. It's a wonderful place to raise a family, but there's no reason for you to visit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, You know, it's, it's like... I saw a Facebook post that said anyone can appreciate the mountains, but it takes someone with a soul to love the plains. So <laughs> <laughs> that was on a Kansas page, which Kansas take, takes flat to a whole other level. So <laughs> Good old Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually saw, I think it was a pretty famous Reddit post years and years ago. And they, is this like there was always a couple, you know, diamonds in the rough, these tongue in cheek quotes on Reddit that would go like super viral. And it was this guy was essentially upset that everybody always said that Texas or that Kansas was as flat as a pancake. And he did this huge analysis and he got the topography and did a whole thing. And like the, basically the, the punchline at the very end of this, you know, 17 paragraph long paper that describes how Kansas. It describes Kansas comparing it to a pancake. At the very end, it's like, actually, it turns out a pancake would have more topographical, (laughs) topographically interesting things. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, all right, well, what what do you got for us today, Tim? I've got a one kind of deep divey thing and some other miscellaneous stuff. Let's hit me with some deep dive stuff. Let's go. I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank. Ah, what do you got for me? Interesting. Because this thing, uh, I heard about it first through No Agenda. I guess it would be, yeah, I, I think still just the most recent show, right? Sunday? Uh, we talked about it the Thursday before. No, no, it was Sunday. It was Sunday, Sunday. for sure. Because it, it happened. I, yeah. Like, in the days before that it was on fr- uh, the bank run kind of started on friday yeah i had a super long run and listened to the stream so it was definitely definitely sunday so this the whole thing sounds fishy to me yeah i, I you know it's funny i didn't bring anything about it but i am uh, I, I it's probably the thing i spent the most time looking at and and listening to analysis of and everything else and i don't have Quite frankly, I don't have a uh, a conclusion, so I'm interested to see to see what you got. So I, I did you hear not. that the, the the head of SVP was actually looking into child pedophilia? 
<laughs> he was about to do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he well, was like... If he, turned, he, if he turns up dead, then well... No, no, no. He, yeah. but he, he was like, hey, I have really big news. And then, like, the next day, this all started happening, so... Yeah. I, I've stopped in funneling money to, uh, you know, bogus green energy stuff, and it's going to be all, uh, you know, researching, getting the... Getting justice for kids. I'm sure that's what was going on. <laughs> 72, 72 million to BLM. Anyway, for those of you who don't listen to this show, that was a joke. 100% yeah. joke. There's no truth in that. So there's a, a Reese report. I, uh, oh, there's a Reese report. to his Substack in there. All right. Rabbit trail. So I, I'm like, I need to figure out how to download the video that he's got embedded in his Substack. And what I was trying to figure that out, I was like, wait a second, how do you even get video embedded in your substack? It's pretty easy. You just post and then, new so audio. Once I, <laughs> once I found that out, I'm like, well, I should do that with, with mine. So while doing that with mine, then I forgot that I was going to downloaded the audio for the Bruce report. So, I don't know. Hold on a second. I don't have the audio clip. Hold on a second. I think I can figure it out for us. Also, it's uh, Band.Video. He's paid to publish on Band.Video. Yeah, so the... Yeah. It's easy to get stuff from there. So, the banking collapse has begun is the title of the Substack piece. I'm guessing that's the the same title, but I don't know that for sure. So oh, yeah, if you want I got, to, I got two to of do them. that, I'll, then I'll... I'll work on them now. Okay. And I will... All right. So I did... I kind of wanted a mix of kind of normie and alternative, you know, real analysis of what was going on. So if I hear... If I have to read one more substack that includes the stupid reference to It's a Wonderful Life and the bank run in It's a Wonderful Life, I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> is there people handle it. Is there people writing All about these, I read like 10 of them oh. that use the same reference with some stupid picture from the movie. It's like, you people have no creativity whatsoever. That's the only bank run example? Like You, <laughs> you think your readers are so dumb that they need to be told, like, it's a bank run. It's like what happened in It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> But here's how it's a little bit different. Oh. Well, when you're... So annoying. When you're... Uh, the person you look up to, someone you might even call a mentor, writes uh, or does a, an entire podcast to completely destroy the premise of It's a Wonderful Life, then we'll have a, a different conversation. <laughs> so the... But it, there was also some really good stuff. So hopefully we'll we'll focus on... We'll focus on the good analysis. So... Um, oh, I'm going to say this guy's name wrong. Adam Andrzejewski. Yeah, that's it. I think you nailed uh, it. All right, yeah. The Silicon Valley Bank cover-up and the roads leading to Governor Gavin Newsom. The bank just deleted their Twitter account. So much for transparency from a bank that is now 100% backed by the taxpayers. All right, background. Last Friday. So this was published on... Actually, only... It says March 13th. I thought it was before that, but March 13th, only a couple days ago. Well, March 13th is Monday, and this is the big, you know, the collapse started to happen headed into the weekend. So Friday, this no, is I, Monday. I know yeah, that. Yeah. I, okay. I just thought I 
I thought this was something I picked up before Monday, but I guess not. All right. Last Friday, when the Silicon Valley Bank quickly imploded and rocked the U.S. financial sector, it was taken over by federal regulators. The bank was known for backing tech startups and had come under fire for prioritizing investments into climate change and social ventures rather than those that could make a predictable return. (laughs) The executive roster of the bank had a questionable track record. For example... SVB's, which I'll just say SVB, but Silicon Valley Bank, their chief administrative officer, Joseph Gentile, was the CFO of Lehman Brothers Investment Bank when it collapsed. Isn't that so cool? How did that happen? It's, how do you, how do you so get a job weird. in the industry it's after that? The, well, I mean, do you, you remember Lehman Brothers? Yeah, that was a big deal. It was, yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of in charge of that yeah. and ran it into the ground. Yeah, come work for us. Sounds good. SVB's chief risk officer position was left vacant for nine months through January 2023. Uh, I don't think it's in this article, but the the previous risk officer uh, sold a bunch of stock on her way out. Kind of a red flag. Hmm. the CEO, Greg Becker, was a director at the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank from 2019 until termination on Friday. Becker's also under investigation for, sell- for selling $3.6 million in bank stock during a period when SVP was in the markets to raise $2 billion from investors, an effort to keep the bank solvent. Silicon Valley um, Bank's behested $100,000 gift to Newsom's nonprofit. Our auditors at OpenTheBooks.com found that Gov- California Governor Gavin Newsom, through a nonprofit organization his wife Jennifer Sibel Newsom founded, the California Partners Project, has very close ties to the bank. Is the same wife SVP, that didn't have a relationship with with Weinstein? Like he, like, coerced yeah. her, but then didn't coerce her. But everything's fine. But never mind. I, I changed my mind. Yeah, that one. She she probably didn't take a bunch of money from Weinstein either. Oh, I'm okay. sure it's just. Okay coincidence it looked like that okay in 2021 svb gave a hundred thousand dollars in corporate gifts to the newsom nonprofit. not a small amount these gifts are so intertwined with the newsoms that they're listed as a matter of california ethics law on a state government website california fair political practices commission all nonprofit donors are listed on the state website if they are behested gifts the term behested which was new to me means at the request, suggestion, or solicitation of, or made in cooperation, consultation, coordination, or concert with the public official. In other words, the public official asked for the money. Hmm. In this case, it's the governor who requested Silicon Valley Bank's $100,000 gift. It's the governor who requested... Okay. However, the mandatory state dis- disclosed conflict of interest listing also names his wife, Jennifer Sabel Newsom. That's because Mrs. Newsom is, is also a public official. She's the first ever first partner. Sabel Newsom's public duties include, in, uh, included running the, the office of first partner, which was created by the governor shortly after inauguration. Since 2019, the governor allocated nine staffers and nearly $5 million in taxpayer funds for his wife's office. However, that's only part of the story. Silicon Valley Bank and its executives played a major role in the Newsom nonprofit, the California Partners Project, since its founding. 
The president of Silicon Valley Capital, the investment banking arm of the bank, is John China. Mr. China, <laughs> I mean, how do you have someone named, literally named China? <laughs> but uh, Mr. China is a 27-year SVB veteran. He's also a, f- a founding board member of the Newsom nonprofit. Even today, China is still listed as a director on the nonprofit's website. The California Partners Project first board chair, Elizabeth Gore, was also connected to SVB. Her company, Hello Alice, which connects entrepreneurs to resources to grow their companies, received funding from SVB. John China serves on the board of Hello Alice. According to China's LinkedIn profile, SVB Capital managed $5.5 billion in capital funds. China and his group was a primary funder to the tech startups that we are hearing about in the news. All right, just got a link to his screenshot from his LinkedIn page. Uh, California Partners Project was founded in 2020 in part to support California's gender quota law for corporate boards, a goal which SVB supported through a $100,000 gift. I guess if you you can have men in charge as long as you give money to stuff like that. Yeah. Because, you know, that funding went towards a 2021 report calling the gender quota law an inspiring success story of the ability of motivated businesses to adapt, evolve, and grow. China and Gore contributed to the report sharing their insights. SVB reported or promoted this report in a tweet and indicated that the bank's goals and the Newsom nonprofit goals were aligned. SVP deleted its Twitter account on March 13th, however, our, our auditors had proactively captured the tweet. In 2022, the law was struck down by California courts on the basis of discrimination after litigation by Judicial Watch. We reached out to China and Gore for comment. Gore responded saying that she volunteered as a board chairman, served a two-year term, and a new board chair was named. She also said she doesn't work with, the, with Sabelle Newsom today. So they've got the tweet in there. You know, about how wonderful this program is. The California Partners Project. Their logo next to the SVB Capital logo. Uh, With $5.5 billion under his supervision, Mr. China had tremendous influence over the startup and venture capital industry. China also had tremendous influence over Newsom's California Partners Project. In a recent... In its recent job advertisement for a new executive director, the California Partners Project gives a succinct description of what the organization does and how it relates to the office of the first partner. California Partners Project collaborates with and strengthens the priorities of the office of the first partner, specifically the California for All Women and California for All Kids initiatives. CPP and the office of the first partner have have a common goal, to better serve the people of California by bringing additional awareness, data, and resources to bear so that California remains a leader when it comes to supporting women and youth. In other words, California Partners Project is a nonprofit extension of the Office of the First Partner, bringing in more staffers, board members, and resources to accomplish Jennifer Sabelle Newsom's goals. Yeah, all right. So, I thought that was interesting. And... One thing Adam Curry talked about, and I also heard uh, Jack Posobiec talk about on his podcast, which I I should have grabbed a couple of those clips, but uh, this idea that they, okay, you're, you're going public or you're, you know, a startup, which some of the quote startups, lots of money, you know, not like 
you starting a business in your garage type deal like sure you get like, angel you get angel investors in there who are basically startup with you know with hundreds of millions of dollars already yeah. pumped into it you so, get angel investors in there and you try you, you know these people have yeah. a bunch of money and they're trying to hit it big they're trying to be the next facebook the next instagram this was all kind of covered on the Silicon Valley show by Mike Judge on HBO. The show is absolutely hilarious, but it's just some nerds who show up to Silicon Valley. They have this idea and all this, you know, out of nowhere comes all this people are like, hey, we'll give you a whole bunch of money and you just got to do this, mm. this and that. And, right. and it, you know, hijinks ensue because these guys are nerds with no social, you know, skills whatsoever. And now they're. You know, one of them ends up driving a McLaren, and it just it, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of big money in there, and it's for people who are investing in it with a high rate of return. I mean, if you can do the next app, I mean, if you can, I mean, there are people, some of the richest software companies in the world just make games for phones that you and I never even heard of, and it's like one of the more addictive phone games, like Clash of the right. Titans and yeah. Clash of the Clans, all that stuff. Those those people are making a ton of money. Hundreds of millions of dollars. So anyway, there is a lot of money in Silicon Valley startups and angel investors ready to pony up and give it a whirl. Right. So the what uh, what Adam Curry talked about was when he took his company um, public in the nineties. This nineteen ninety six, I think. Which I, I think was Think New Ideas was the company, but. Uh, that part of the deal, like, okay, we're going to give you this funding and you're going to do your banking at Silicon Valley Bank. Right. Which seems very sketchy to me. <laughs> and as it turned out, it was very sketchy. It, it, but it has but there was, all of the earmarks, and I'm not saying it is. I'm, I'm, I'm really not saying it is because I don't know. But if you were to describe a Ponzi scheme to me, I think you right. would tell me the same story, except at the end, it's it's like, you know, the and then there was no deposits, so they just shoved the money around and made it look like there was a deposit, and then, you know, Bernie Madoff got arrested. Like, if you take that part out, it just sounds Ponzi-ish, we'll call it. Right. So the, the other part of it, which I don't think... Um, Adam Curry, but this, he was also involved in it like over 20 years, you know, close to 30 years ago. Yeah. So what's been going on in the more recent past is they would not, not only just be your bank, like be the bank for your business. They wanted uh, to manage your personal investments they wanted to be your home lender mm-hmm. and they, they were doing home loans to CEOs and you know, the people they wanted to do business with at below market rates Ah, I didn't know to this. get them okay. in, to get them in the door. Also, that's a bit of a payoff. You know, if yeah, you can get sure. it, if you've got a, yep. Yep, you know, yep, yep, yep. 10, $20 million house, that's income. The interest you don't... rate matters. Yeah. You know, if that, that, that's a, that's a, uh, that's an income that you don't have to claim. Right. right. right? Like that's a, that's a, and once you get into that, that, you know, million, hundred million dollar up to a hundred million dollar income level, everything you can do to write off in taxes is a win. Yeah. So 
the one was, that, the fact that blew me away was I think it was less than three percent of the deposits were less than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so of of the total deposit yeah. it was a relatively small number of depositors. Right. Like this these are not like average even Silicon Valley workers that were deposit you know, having their checking account at Silicon Valley Bank. It was the businesses and then like their the muckety mucks at those businesses. And they were then taking the, yeah, there was a, a very incestuous relationship between woke ESG focused capital investment and Silicon Valley bank. And, and some, it wasn't all that. I mean, there was some real, there's some real stuff in there. Shopify had a ton of money in there. That's a, a pretty rock solid backbone for a ton of, uh, Internet uh, stores, Etsy had a lot of their money in there. I mean, it was. Uh, well, you, you had a choice though. So, like the loan for your business, you could not just go to another bank. Like you could lose. Some of them, I, I forget the way that they configured it, but there's been companies recently that are like, "Oh, this, this is trouble. We got to get out of here." But it's like they can't, you know, they can't take their business somewhere else because they're the funding that they're doing business on is tied to Silicon Valley Bank. Hmm. Like the loan is, um, you know, basically you have to instantly pay back the loan if you take your bus- take your banking business somewhere else. Wow. That's... So it's a. Again, yeah, and, I'm not saying it is, but it sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it has so, a lot of the earmarks of Peter Thiel. Of course, Peter. Yeah, of course, Peter's at the Peter start, at Thiel the heart of it. Peter Thiel got his yep. money out early, yep. so he's he's probably fine. But he's he, he he's part of the problem. He is what caused the problem, and it's yeah. not. I'm not saying it was his fault, but when, once Peter Thiel says, "Get all my money out of that bank." There will, there will be people who notice, hey, wait a second, did Peter Thiel just take all of his money out of this bank? And then it's well, like, well, maybe we should yeah. get our money out of this bank. Maybe we should yeah. get, and then we have a bank run. And there's this whole... Which is so a lot the, like what happened in A Wonderful Life. Did, the, so do you remember that movie? So there's a part <laughs> you, in The Wonderful thank Life... You. Yeah, was there they, a bank run in It's they, Wonderful Life? They all life came and, into the thing, yeah. and he has the money to go to the honeymoon, but he doesn't go to the honeymoon. He gives him <laughs> the money. Do you remember that? That's a bank run, Andrew. <laughs> I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, you threw me off. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, Peter Thiel. So the, Peter Thiel causes the bank run by withdrawing his money. Yeah, see, I, I think that's ma- mostly red herring. How so? I really do. Because uh, the, the normie, not normie, but the mainstream, like, Forbes version of it is, like, uh, yeah, Peter Thiel caused the bank run, and bank runs just kind of happen. And it's like they were investing in really safe stuff, man, like bonds. And all of the interest rates changed, and nobody could have seen that coming. And then, like, people took some of their money out of the bank, and then nobody could have seen that coming. Well, that's the cover story is that they put, and I don't know if it's a cover story, it's the main story is that they, like, a bunch of idiots. It, it feels like uh, there's definitely malfeasance. Uh, throughout this bank, 
yeah. but it, it, I, the the official story is they started to buy a bunch of thirty year bonds, and the interest rate on those was fixed at a certain amount. And as the interest rates began to Which change, are, and they were hold to maturity bonds, exactly, they couldn't get their money out of them. So once the money all got tied up in there. You go a little bank run, you go a little collapse of a couple of little companies, and then boom, how do we get all our money out? Oh, we got these 30-year bonds that are hold for 30 years. So we have a liquidity problem, and I don't know, man. So is there anyone who thought, you know, buying 30-year bonds hold to maturity at like 1% interest was really like this is the way to go or could it have to do with that multiple board members of Silicon Valley Bank were former members of the Obama administration and large Obama donors and uh, this couldn't be something that was like basically a cover for the Fed right like hey keep buying the bonds hmm this That's is an interesting a, theory. It's a, it's a circular thing. Okay. There it's is, an interesting theory. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, vibing with this. this. Is, I'm, I do not believe any of this was like just stuff they couldn't see coming, just innocent mistakes, which is kind of how it's being framed. I'm going to tell you I've, right now, I don't see... I, I'm not convinced either way. I've been watching, paying attention to financial stuff ever since this podcast started. I always, that was when I called you originally, I was like, I'm going to pay attention to the financial stuff. You do the other stuff and the eugenic stuff and I'll pay attention to the financial stuff. And I've been lightly paying attention to it throughout, sometimes more than others. And it's hard to understand what in the world's going on. They have this thing. It's, it, it appears that, here's my theory on it anyway. I don't think anybody has control over this thing anymore. I think that there's warring factions within, and it's just, we're trying like heck. There, some people within it are trying to prop it up. Some people are trying to bring it down. And at this point, it's it the game stops when it stops, and there's really it's really kind of hard to predict what's going to happen next. Uh, banks collapsing because of insolvency issues out of nowhere. Not a great sign, but you if you know is this intentional collapse? I don't know. Maybe. Is the raising the rates an intentional collapse of the economy? Possibly, possibly not. I mean, how many of these have we been through, right? Where Peter so, Sh- Peter Schiff predicts the end of the world and nothing happens. You know, there's yeah. Here, here's can, the thing, though. Uh, yeah, they're not the government stepping in and making all the founders and quote depositors whole. Okay. Which is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And it, it, the other problem, the, the biggest problem with that to me is not that the founders get to be made whole when they're over the FDIC insurance limits and et cetera, et cetera. It's more that in order to make that bank solvent, what will they have to do? Yeah. They will have oh, to. Oh, it's just like they're just a little off on the interest rates, and it's just like a little too much money going out now, and it'll be coming back in later. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Be fine. They're going to create more money to make this bank solvent, all the while raising the bank loan interest rate and saying that we're doing that to curb inflation. This is not. That's the thing that nobody's talking about that bothers me the most. Is I don't care if they make the bank whole, whatever they do. I mean, this is the same crap we put up uh, with in two thousand eight. Nah, 
But what, the problem what is, saying is we're, we're not making the bank. It's not a bank bailout. Uh, it's just we're the poor innocent depositors. We're making them whole because it's not their fault. And it is their fault. This is the way they're going to go down with this bank, though. This is going to go down with this bank. We're going to make this bank whole. When yeah, your they, small community regional bank goes down. Well, that's the thing. Then what? Because they're not going to necessarily make those banks whole. And then do you have a different choice? Is it going to be a bailout? Or is it going to be a bail? doesn't have that much money. Is it going to be a bail in? And a bail in has happened in places in Europe a couple of times. Negative interest rates, money, be, you know, 25% of your money confiscated. Those sort of weird things happen. I don't know, man. It's... Again, I think this thing is it's it's kind of like an out of control monster and you got warring factions within it and nobody quite knows. I, I don't think we've ever been here with a monetary system. No, well, well, here's the warring factions. Like this. It's it's Wall Street, Silicon Valley. It's the establishment getting ready to absolutely destroy the middle class. What remains of it? That that this may be the thing, case, but, but this I mean, whole thing is to be honest, is you could have said that, and it'll be like, oopsie, oopsie, the FDIC does is out of money. Sorry about your bank. Yeah. Sorry about your you know small business owner who had three hundred fifty thousand and a hundred thousand of that's gone. Uh, but but yeah, don't worry about the ten million dollars we paid out to Tech Bro CEO. Like. It's possible, but you could have said the economy was going to collapse in 2013. You could have said it was going to collapse when we invaded, you know, Afghanistan. You could have said the... I mean, ever since we started the show, the economy... Every time we turn around, the economy's going to collapse. We should buy gold. There's going to be massive well, it's, inflation. it's been fraudulent the entire time. That I, I Do you hear me arguing that it's a, uh, a, a good system? It's not. It's not. It's not a good system, but it... I don't... I'm not ready to predict the sky is falling because we could have predicted that 18,000 times in this podcast over the last 10 years. And it continues to soldier on. This beast, this Frankenstein. Nobody knows where we're going next. Nobody knows. And if and no, if, I, I think no, the, I, I think the in long-term goal, sure, the goal is to, to, to destroy the middle class. But is that going to happen in one year, two years, three years, five years, 50 years? Who knows? But I just, I don't know. I just don't think that... Uh, I just I just hate the doom and gloom. Like we're gonna the economy's gonna collapse tomorrow. It's all they're all gonna, they're gonna kill us all. And it we've been through this. That we go through this every few years. You know what I mean? I I mean I kind of know what you mean, but I like this is an obvious scam though. They're all scams. Like, it's like, all like the, scams. Like, like, Joe Biden pretending that he really didn't want to do this, but he has to. It's the exact same thing as George W. Bush. Oh, I had to. I know. We have got to, no, you know, know in order know. to save the free market, we had to break the free market rules. We had to, you know, in order to. Yeah. But during it's, any of those times, has you have has the economy collapsed so much that you've lost all of your wealth and ability to work or earn money? Well, I don't have any wealth to lose. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> I just, I don't want to be a guy who's like, this is it. This is, they're going to kill us. This is it. They're going to destroy the economy today. Because I've been thinking that. I mean, I thought that a hundred times in the last 10 years, 15 I, years. I'm just it, saying... They've never, I, it hasn't happened yet. 
that this is absolutely intentional. Absolutely intentional. I don't think it's necessarily intentional. I think that you have warring factions within, and this beast is completely out of control. There, no I mean, one knows just, where we're going like from to, here. That's well, what I'm saying. Like okay, this, this monetary policy that we are in the middle of, which is capital cronyism slash socialism slash we're just going to prop up banks. We should have dealt with this in 2008. We 100% should have dealt. We've kicked this thing so far down the road. I mean, it's possible that COVID was literally just a way to stop all of... <laughs> The overheating of the banks and the you know the trillion dollar you know overnight lending and everything else. I mean, this thing, it's out of control, and I don't know when they stop it, but it it's clearly out of control. But it could go on for a while now. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know that there is a head of everything who f- has full control over it who could just be like, we're pulling the plug today. You know what I mean? I think it's. It's more complicated than that. I think that is the end goal. I think that the middle class of America, the gun-toting middle class of America, is the the last stand against the the new world order, and they want to destroy them. I, I 100% agree with you on that. But I just don't think that it's completely under control, if that makes sense. Well, let's go back to 2008. Yeah. Okay, this is, this is Frank and Chris show era. Mm-hmm. And Frank Lordy is deep diving on Washington Mutual because Washington Mutual was all over the the news. They're about to collapse. Oh, it's so... Washington Mutual is so bad. And, you know, oh, oh, this wonderful, benevolent... Who was it that came in and bought him? J.P. Morgan's Chase. Chase. Jamie Dimon. J.P. Morgan Chase. And and not, not just Jamie Dimon. Let me throw another just little add to your story here. The FDIC bought certain... Uh, the FDIC, who is supposed to be an insurance company, bought a couple of Wabu's locations in downtown New York City. And and what did <laughs> what did Frank Lordy found find out when he dug into the actual financials of Washington Mutual? They were solvent. They were perfect. They were probably the most yes. solvent bank. Yep. Yep. It, and the scam was: look at them. They Frank need Lordy help. J.P. Morgan. Shortly after that, by the way. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't worry. It's we got enough. I, I don't know if you're worried about that. I'm not worried. No, about I'm that. not worried about that. But yeah, but. Frank Lordy quit podcasting shortly after that. Yeah. But no, J.P. Morgan Chase. Who? It's 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 the it's the it's the fox buying the hen house. Don't worry, hen house. <laughs> Which, if anybody was insolvent, it was J.P. Morgan. Yes. Not, and they used. The acquisition of a solvent bank to prop themselves up yes. and get themselves out of dodge. Yes, and this at the same time is taking down which to your kind of rival factions. There, I, I do think there's rival factions. You know who they ch- chose to let fail, and you see that there was deal making even in that, right? Oh, 100 percent. The Wamu going down was criminal, and that's another thing that sticks out to me about that is. When you watch that lefty-leaning, gosh, what's the name of that? There's a Matt Damon-narrated awesome documentary, and it's all about the 2008 financial collapse. It's like the way Smartest of money. Smartest guys in the room? No? No, it's the different it's not the the one. Enron one. Not it's the, not the Enron okay. one. It's the one right after that. I'll find the name of it. And it's an amazing documentary, but there is a horrible, glaring issue in it, and that's why I think it was kind of propaganda or pushed out there. It's like, hey, this is what happened. No WAMU coverage. He doesn't even say the word Washington Mutual in that. And I think that is the cover story 
because I do agree with you. They took it down. Anyway, go ahead. So, and interesting that uh, Lehman Brothers, <laughs> oh, you you took the fall at Lehman Brothers and... Oh, don't worry. We got a soft landing for you at Silicon Valley. Bro, it reminds me of HSB, <laughs> the HSBC guy. What was the guy who t- was, took the fall for HSBC who for the money laundering? And then he was the same guy that was in charge. Comey? Of, yeah. You know, good old Comey. Uh, no, this is... Well, or Enron and all the current energy scams. It's all the same Enron people. Yeah. The, I've other heard than that. Ken Lay who's retired in... Portugal, but yeah. <laughs> no, I get so confused with my my uh, conspiracies. The official story is Ken Lay committed suicide, right? No, died in prison. Died in prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember attack, somebody they else took him out, and then oh yeah, and it's like, hey, I've seen that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they... this is the show. Like uh, this, this is the real show. Everything else is just window dressing for this crap. This is the real thing that's happening, and and it's hard to tell what's what's really going on. The the Epstein's and the COVIDs and all this stuff. This is all loosely tied to how they're going to take over. But this is the full show. The banking financial system is is where it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Robert Reich. There it is. Oh. There's a deeper story here. Remember the scene in It's a Wonderful Life where the Jimmy oh. Stewart... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I got, I got two, I got two uh, of our buddy Greg Reese. I got Bank of Collapse, and I have Epstein's ties to SVP. Okay. Yeah, let's play them. Gosh, I knew it was going to be loud, but not that loud. Let's bring it down. A few DBs here. Oh, and I killed one. There we go. I brought it back. Okay. This week, Tucker Carlson exposed the masses to the January 6th hoax. In the Proud Boys trial, leaked chat logs from FBI Special Agent Nicole Miller revealed that she was ordered by her boss to destroy 338 items of evidence. Once this news broke days ago, the trial was halted. The investigation into Twitter has revealed that moderators were instructed to censor true posts which could fuel hesitancy. Former CDC head Robert Redfield has just testified that the NIH was conducting gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab in China. Politically, the tide is turning and people all over the world are now rejecting the New World Order. The Central Bank of Nigeria launched their CBDC a little over a year ago, but the people rejected it. So early this year, the Nigerian banks emptied the ATM machines and closed their doors. This resulted in angry protests. The people attacked ATMs and blocked roads in multiple cities. The Bank of Lebanon has crashed. The Lebanese pound has fallen to an all-time low of 80,000 against the U.S. dollar. The people have taken to the streets. Banks have been set on fire. The rise in Fed rates has officially killed America's biggest lender, Silicon Valley Bank. The FDIC shutters Silicon Valley Bank. $152 billion of uninsured deposits are destroyed. 
The rise in Fed rates also killed Silvergate Capital. Several regional bank stocks have plummeted as a result of the Silicon Valley Bank and the Federal Reserve's rate hikes. The housing market is collapsing as well. The majority of commercial real estate loans are lent by small banks. Massive short bets are now happening in the commercial real estate market. The Federal Reserve Bank is taking down the housing market along with all regional banks, leaving only its vassals who will be distributing CBDCs as a solution. The financial experts are now recommending that people have food, gold and silver, and cash in their possession. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. SVB was the 16th largest bank in the country. Yeah. And they were treated as a regional bank, so they didn't have all the the rules. So all the bank reforms, like, oh, we're going to put in the new, you know, Glass-Steagall, but it won't be Glass-Steagall, it'll be even better. Uh, Oh, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Uh, Silicon Valley Bank, here, it... Yeah, that'd be too much work for you. Second largest bank collapse, only two? Lehman Brothers? Washington Mutual. Or Washington Mutual, yeah. Yeah, Washington Mutual, actually, I mean, everyday people banked at Washington Mutual. Yes. So, yes. Aye, aye, aye. Um, Epstein to SVP? Yeah, go for it. Weeks before the Silicon Valley bank collapse, several executives sold off large shares of stock, while mainstream media tells its audience to invest in them. On March 9th, the day before the collapse, Israel's two largest banks pulled up to $1 billion out of SVB, while Peter Thiel's Founders Fund withdrew millions and advised their clients to do the same. The next day, there was a run on the bank, and Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Is this evidence of a controlled demolition or a hasty one? The day before the collapse, a U.S. judge ordered J.P. Morgan Chase to turn over documents in a lawsuit accusing them of aiding in Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking operation. The team behind this lawsuit was the same team who successfully exposed the involvement of Deutsche Bank and they subpoenaed several other banks they believe were involved in sex trafficking, including Silicon Valley Bank and Bank Lumi, the Israeli bank that drained a billion dollars out of SVB the day before it collapsed. Whatever the reason, the U.S. government's response threatens to collapse the world economy. The FDIC insures up to $250,000 for each depositor, but now they are going to cover all depositor losses and they don't have enough to cover the $175 billion of SVB losses, let alone the trillions of dollars to be lost on the near horizon as banks across the world begin to break. The systemic risk among GSIBs, global systemically important banks, is that they are so deeply connected that when one falls, they will all follow. Much of the world's economy is already collapsing due to the actions of the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve banking system. And much of the world has been preparing for the end of the U.S. dollar as a world reserve currency. After all the smaller banks die, 
the people will be left with the central bank, and their solution is the CBDC. CBDC stands for Central Bank Digital Currency. With CBDC, there are no more options. Everyone's account is run directly through the central bank system. As the financial system gets more controlling and more invasive, it's a little bit like bringing up a corral around us. And CBDCs, central bank digital currencies and vaccine passports or digital IDs, are sort of the last uh, shutting of the gate. It's hard for many people to imagine the risks here because we're so used to living with financial transaction freedom. And we don't understand that when this gate closes on us, we literally will be sitting in a system where the central banks believe that our assets belong to them and they can dictate where we can spend money and what we can spend money on. If you don't behave, you can have your money turned off. There are 12 Federal Reserve Banks, which are located in cities being considered for the 15-minute city model of the World Economic Forum. This is where it's all headed, and there isn't much pushback in the federal government. Utah Senator Mike Lee introduced the No CBDC Act last September, which will likely go nowhere. But we the people have much more sway over our local governments. An Oklahoma House committee unanimously passed a bill to protect Oklahomans from being forced to adopt a CBDC. It's time for we the people to unite with our neighbors and local communities and prepare to liberate ourselves from the central bank system. Recall our corrupt county officials and start looking into local barter and trade systems because central bank digital currency is coming at us quickly and it equals financial enslavement. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. That was a surprise. Oh, what do you know? Epstein (laughs) relationship there? No, I meant the Oklahoma thing at the end. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, we'll see if uh, (laughs) Governor Stitt approves that. They are uh, anti-CBDC here in Oklahoma, that's for sure. Yeah. and It's kind of interesting, the two places I've lived, like as I kind of sc- look around on social media, it's like right now they're talking about how the FBI had something to do with the, the CHOP or the CHAZ zone in downtown Seattle. And uh, hmm. there's a bunch of, uh, there's a picture of the, the I forgot his name. He's sit, sitting well, the- there at the table. It says uh, Seattle government is a, is a crime organization. Changed my mind. And then we have uh, Oklahoma passed an anti CBDC law. So. Yeah. Well, the the leader of Chaz, if I remember correctly, was on the city's payroll. Yes, like yes, an, yes. A, like a rap artist. Yes, like yes. A hundred thousand dollar grant. You're good. You you got a good yeah. memory. I brought that to the show. That was exactly yeah. right. They. Uh, I forget the guy's name. But. Yeah, I forgot it too. But yeah, he was. Uh, he was in. He was having. He had text messages directly with uh, police officers, chief of police, yeah. and the mayor. And he was walking around with a AR-15 or whatever M16 in the uh, in the middle of the chass. Cops couldn't do anything about it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Brad Hargreaves is the guy who had the tweets about the. The specifics on the relationship between SVP, so I'll give him credit. Um, We kind of went over it a little bit. I'll just read it. They're short. Uh, 
Closure and receivership is, is going to have a massive impact on the tech ecosystem. SVB was not just a dominant player in tech, but were highly integrated in some non-traditional ways. A few things we'll see in the coming days and weeks. And this is from back on March 10th that he tweeted that. One, SVB was in- incredibly integrated into the lives of many founders. Not just their startup bank and lender, but also providing personal mortgages and other financial services. Mm. A whole mess for the FDIC or the eventual buyer to unwind. Two, any uninsured balances at SVP, those above 250k, are in jeopardy. FDIC plans to pay them out as it sells the assets of SVB. Lots of startups exclusively banked with SVB as this was a covenant of their debt. CEOs yesterday faced a hard choice. Pull your deposits and go into default on your venture debt or risk losing everything if the bank failed. Many chose to hold tight as SVB's outright failure seemed outlandish. So that's what I was trying to stumble into earlier is you pull your deposits, you go into default on your venture debt, which is a problem. Huge problem. Or if your bank goes under... Also a huge problem. Yeah. Difficult situation. Uh, now they may, may not be able to make payroll next week. Unpaid wages pierce the corporate veil, so boards are incredibly sensitive to employing workers they may not be able to pay. Expect, expect mass layoffs later today, Monday at the latest. So they... Timeline-wise, you had the initial news of the failure last week. And kind of happening over the weekend, right? And that's just, like you you pointed out, it was like, oh, you know, doom and gloom, every, the stock market is going to collapse on Monday type deal, and of course it went up. It went up. I, I started texting you, I was like, I should have bought calls. <laughs> yeah. So the... Because everybody was sure it was going down. But, By the way, today it went down, finally. But what this, but what that was used for is leverage on politicians and the Biden administration. Like, look, man, it's good. Oh, it's going to be so terrible. Oh, it's so terrible. You got to do something. Yeah. And we're giving you the cover to do something because it's so terrible. Like the whole economy is going to collapse. Same playbook as 2008. Yep. And they, oh, they, you know, whether they fell for it or were in on it the whole time, I think they're in on it the whole time. Same result. Like, sure. oh, you know, I hate to do it, but we got to save capitalism by being socialists. The George <laughs> W. Bush thing. So, Or maybe they bought calls and they just decided to pay off all the SVP debt with calls on the uh, <laughs> S&P 500 when they bought it. Just double. Yeah. <laughs> we got the plunge protection team working. Don't worry. Just, just every, know, get everybody back in there. Everybody buy calls. We'll pay off this bank. We'll get it. We'll get it done. Yeah. And it's. Um, I don't know if we've talked about him on the show or not, but Glenn Jacobs, he's okay. a Ron Paul guy, a former professional wrestler who is the mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee, and is actually a pretty smart, smart guy. I mean, I'm not saying professional wrestlers in general right. aren't smart, but he is smarter than your average person and uh, knows a lot about, you know, economics and what have you. So he was on with uh, Posobiec, and he, he said, you can be the best entrepreneur or businessman in the world if there's no prices 
you don't know anything. And this whole system has so screwed up pricing that it's just created, you know, a, a mess that's going to be extremely difficult to get out of. You by artificially, you know, keeping interest rates low and then, you know, so it looks like everything's a great investment at that point, right? Cuz money is basically free. Um and then by not allowing uh failure, that's your that's not the capitalist system. You, that's not a market system. It's supposed to be, you know, you take risks, uh, you can potentially gain more, but you can potentially lose much, much more. And so we've created a system where you're rewarded for risk and not punished for risk. And this this is just the latest in-your-face example of that. Like, I mean... Of all the people in the country, what percentage have over 250 have to worry about having over 250k in the bank? Yeah, it's a it's a very small number of people, and this <laughs> this is who we bail out first. So it's at the potential risk of everyone else with you know 10 grand in the bank or whatever. So yeah, it's I think it's in in part of the overall make them mad agenda along with just being part of the ongoing scam. I mean, if you're an insider, you're going to get filthy rich. And if you're not at some point, you're going to get screwed over. And sometimes it's surprising who's not actually in the club who, you know, you would think would be, but, um, so the back in 2008, there was a lot of talk about, oh, they need to put in Glass-Steagall. Glass-Steagall was an, <laughs> a, a deposit-taking bank can't be an investment bank, right? You got to keep them separated. And it was like, oh, because it really screwed it up when, you know, you could give out <laughs> mortgages and buy, buy shorts on home mortgages and all at the same time and lots of conflicts of interest going on there, but they never really got rid of it. And there was a, a recent uh, bank proposal because you can't just start a bank. You have to apply for a license. And so this bank is called narrow bank. And what they said is, look, all we're going to do is take deposits Turn around, put that, leave that money with the Federal Reserve. That's it. We're not investing in anything else. Like nothing risky, like just as safe as we can possibly be. They couldn't get a banking license. Hmm. Couldn't even get it set up. So you are in order to be a be a bank in the current ecosystem. You have to do crazy stuff. Yep. And it's not just buying, oh, we bought too many long-term bonds at low interest rates. Oopsie. And now look, we're, you know, clicking on the keyboard and it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, not the way it works. But. No, especially when you get into 
overnight lending and all of the strange mass what, what's the what's the word machinations of uh banking it's since good word since yeah. 2008 i mean it's just it's brutal yeah we should have had houses housing prices should have gone not just down a little bit like way down when the last year or so no like 2008 oh yeah yeah i mean I they mean, should be going down now too but you know they they really didn't you remember i was actually thinking a lot about this this last week ever since this all started happening because it all brought up the past right this is as, as yeah. all all this news started to come up i'm like i've i've lived this before i've seen this movie before you know i know what this looks like i remember this and it brought me back to a time. Do you remember Occupy Wall Street? <laughs> I do. Yes, that was an awesome <laughs> movement before it was completely co-opted and hijacked. But that was a great idea. Show up downtown. Make sure to get in the way. Let's make our voices heard. These these evil people are bailing themselves out. And then it got co-opted. It became this weird, like leftist. Hey, hey Bernie, how do you like another house? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's yeah. Sure. Yeah, Bernie. I, how about an R eight? Look R8? at this. Pl- look at this place in Vermont, Bernie. This place is beautiful. <laughs> can all a, be yours. How about a red Audi R eight? You look like a complete buffoon in it. But would you like to drive it? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that was an amazing movement and an amazing moment in time where they were like, you know what? Screw these guys. We know who the who the bad guy is. Let's go down there. Let's stand in Wall Street. Let's sleep there. Let's make sure they know that we know that this is their fault and they're they're messing with us. And then they they co-opted the whole thing and it becomes this leftist leaning thing and it's, you know, and then, you know, shortly after that the Tea Party starts to gain some traction and even Ron Paul starts to gain some traction after or before. That's a great question. I feel like Tea Party was before, and and definitely similar sort of thing started grassroots in co-opted, in co-opted, yeah, yeah. I feel like it was after because it was a response to Obama, not before he was elected. Yeah, I was right. Two thousand. Well, it's right around the same time, two thousand nine. Yeah. So it, this was an interesting time, and they got us so. It's like they figured out how best to hijack those two movements and. Get our our eyes off the ball, and then kick the can down the road. A long time, and now we're yep. starting to feel the 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 rumblings. You know, this the <laughs> the, the card table starting to rumble yeah, this, a bit. I agree, and I think this is all a continuation of that. Yeah, no, it hundred percent is. You know, and and none, and I, none I, of that ever got resolved. No, and I, I'm even of the mind that like COVID is a convenient way to like get everybody to stay home so the banks don't overheat. It was, I could have been a financial thing. I know that's Adam Curry's belief that you know they did the bioweapon thing and everything else, but they also got the whole world to stop working for a while. You know, oh, and then hey, let's not forget France was having the yellow vest uh, protests for six, eight straight months every Friday, Saturday. And uh, now that that's all over because of COVID, we're back to, <laughs> oh, straight up almost civil war in, in, in yeah. France right now. I and mean, we have two yeah. to five million people on the, over, on the streets in over 200 cities. Now, if what I just said is a surprise to you, ask yourself, why haven't I heard this? Why, <laughs> yeah. why don't I know that France is like completely destabilized right now? 
Well, and and uh, what was going on with China too? Yep, Hong Same Kong. I was like, how is China going to handle this whole thing with all this uprising? You know, there's too many people uprising; they can't stop them all. Oh wait, this monster is out of control, and they're just trying to keep it. I don't know. They're going to try and keep it going until they can't. Klaus Schwab and them, I mean, they're so obvious bad guys. I think they want everyone to hate them. Maybe that's so that we can uprise against them and bring in the beast system or something. I don't know. But it's this it's this is a wild time to be alive. And it's just every time we turn around. My wife and I were talking about the other day. She's like, what's going on with the economy? What's going on with this bank? And it's like, we, you know, we're almost like beaten, you know, housewives or children at this point. Because... We've been abused so much. Like, okay, it was, it was the bank in 2008. Oh, it's COVID. Oh, it's this. And now it's like, oh, which traumatic event is about to happen next? Right. We're like trained well, for yeah, it. Yeah. Or go back further to 9-11 and... Yeah, inside job. The war of terror. The war of the, the two wars that started as... I mean, how many... <laughs> how many once-in-a-lifetime events are going to happen to our generation, Andrew? Because yeah. <laughs> it seems like there's a lot. And, and you know we're not we're not like the World War II generation. We're not overcoming some huge things. I mean, we had to get Uber Eats and stay home for a month. But we are under consistent, constant psychological warfare, and the uh, people that are that are warring it on us are uh, they're not good. They don't have our best intentions in mind, and uh, they've created a, a like a trauma. It's a trauma based mind control. And people are worried. Okay, what's next? What's next? Is this yeah, it? Is this it's it? It's now mass trauma-based mind control. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Is this what's next? Is the bank going to collapse? Is that what's going to happen? My money's going to disappear. What? What? What's next? What's going to happen? What do I do? Yeah. How do I get out of here? What do I do? How do I do? I get all my money in cash? Do I buy a gun? Do I buy Bitcoin? Do I buy gold? Ah! Panic. Well, and this definitely relates to what we've talked about on this show for years too. You know, Texas Slim, the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the beef guy. Yep. He said, "You know, you know Klaus Schwab. You know all these people. You don't know who runs Cargill, <laughs> right? And Cargill is the one screwing up your food. Yep. And as you know, a tour around Oklahoma, uh, two observations: like almost everyone." Very, very nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Almost everyone, we are very, very fat. Oh, yeah. It's here. fat, bro. You yeah. know, and it's and it's like, man, they screwed up the food. I mean, <laughs> at some point, it's like, what crime is worse than that? You know, I mean, uh-huh. you see the, you see some um, kind of open, lots of grass, lots of cows, Lots of cows ambling like, around, yeah. eating grass, but there's a lot of monocrop agriculture going on too. That's that's bad news. Lots oh. of lots of glyphosate, lots of stuff being spread, lots of chemtrails. You know, it's there's an there's an agenda going on, and I think you're 100 percent right that Klaus Schwab is. Uh, at some level a some cross between a distraction for people like us and a messaging system for the actual people that run things and their minions 
You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, you would think you would get, you could get someone better to be the billionaire mouthpiece than Bill Gates, right? But it's, it's like, no, you're kind of supposed to hate Bill Gates, but you're also really not supposed to think that there's any, anyone at all more powerful than Bill Gates. Um, the one more before we move on from this, and I don't know if you have anything else, but I thought this article was very interesting, and I had not considered these two issues together previously. Um, this is from Dr. Saeed Hader. He says Silicon Valley bank collapse and medical freedom. The real systemic risk is censorship-prone inflationary money. Hmm. And he says part of the, well, let me, let me skip the first part. He's got a great picture of like Elon Musk, 20 years younger and more bald, um, holding up the X.com card. And he's still on it. Still wants to turn. Uh, Twitter into that, but how did that happen? Um, this this spoiled, rich, arrogant, <laughs> snotty kid has like got this dream that was completely like a complete failure, and then you know, twenty, thirty years later, he's like, yeah, still gonna do it. Yeah, <laughs> good for him. <laughs> so, he, and here's the the kind of new connection because we've we've talked about all the all that stuff previously at the moment, there's no solution for, for a telehealth company that is targeted by authorities. There has been some anemic pushback so far against isolated individual physicians, but if the government really wanted to shut down the medical freedom movement, it would be laughably easy. Just lean on the banks. Most of the doctors who are treating long COVID and vaccine injuries can switch to treating local patients and taking cash, but that leaves most of the sp- spike protein injured population without effective treatment options because there are not enough clinicians willing and able to help in all the communities around the country. If it did happen, I would hope the market would provide a solution. As more and more patients demand meds that actually work for their illnesses, perhaps more and more clinicians will rise up to throw off their shackles and provide the necessary care. It would require many to cut ties with their employers and to strike it on their own, usually without a safety net. But if there is enough demand, the supply would follow. This might even be preferable to the online world we're, we're relegated to now. And I had not thought about that, but that's I think that makes an excellent point. So during the uh, pandemic, if you wanted ivermectin, one route was to go through you know, someone online that would prescribe you ivermectin. I may or may not have purchased them from India. Yeah, that's another way to do it. So, which was probably the better way because getting prescriptions for ivermectin filled locally became an issue because they leaned on the pharmacies. But even more so, the idea that they can just say, "No, you're not a you're not able to process credit cards." Hmm. So, another use for Bitcoin, by the way, but. you know, medical freedom, telehealth stuff. 
But that isn't, you know, that's an interesting combination of agendas that I think um, that I hadn't thought of combined together. But I thought he made a good point. Yeah, so. I like that. That's good. So, and the, the of course, the other way, I mean, there's a whole lot of control mechanisms on doctors. Where it's like, um, you know, why don't you trust doctors? It's like, well, they're, it's literally illegal for them to tell me if they have an opinion different from what they're mandated to tell me, depending <laughs> on it. So, you know, how can you trust someone who's not allowed to give their own honest opinion? Yeah, there's nothing... Nothing trustworthy there. It's not an issue of trust. It's an issue of are you controlled or are you not controlled? So, and, uh, you know, being able to practice medicine freely, they could go after the licenses, they can lean on you for student loans, they can lean on your employer, they can, uh, doctors are, it is a, a far cry from the kind of stereotypical movie or TV doctor of like 40 years ago, where it's like they had it easy, played golf most of the time, did whatever they wanted. Like, no, <laughs> there's a, a lot of stress with, with being a doctor and um, not much independence either. Yep. Yep. The Obamacare in that whole scam that put insurance companies basically into the no longer you and a doctor sitting there now there's you and right. an insurance company and a bunch of drug companies and a everything hospital else. administrator yeah. who yeah yeah but usually a, is not a doctor a book full of codes that you you know your doctor's gonna have to <laughs> yeah. figure out what to put for every no matter what they diagnose you with they gotta remember the number and then give it to somebody else to code to diagnose you with the specific number. And then hopefully the insurance company will pay them their part of the copay. And then you'll get mailed the copay as well. So you'll have to pay your part of the copay. It's just, yeah. it's no longer, if you can get, I mean, I thought you had a solution a while back, but that's, you know, there's less and less medical freedom here. It's kind of interesting here in Oklahoma. There's more freedom in almost every way, except no naturopaths. And, uh, if you could do those concierge doctors, that sounded awesome too. But yeah, I haven't looked into yeah, those. Yeah, we we had one of those when we lived in Yakima. There was a concierge doctor, and yeah, it's the insurance system. It gets both ways, right? I mean, it gets the the doctors kind of feel like they have to be involved in it, and then if if you're paying for insurance, are you also going to pay? to go outside the insurance for care that you actually want. You know, right. it's a difficult scenario. And just one more thing about doctors. I didn't bring any stories for the show, but there's the trial going on in the UK for that nurse that killed all those babies. Does that ring a bell? Oh, yeah. And didn't she have them? So Did she, didn't she have them like it, in her house or something? It came out. I I think that's the same one. Okay, yeah, or something horrific like that. I mean, okay. just psychopath stuff. It's, right. I didn't bring it to the show because it's not because really. She's like, an abortion doctor, right? Well, there no there's there's the abortion doctor that had the babies at home. No, this was a this was a uh, you know 
NICU type doctor. Oh. It's not called the NICU in the UK. But with like babies just started dying for no reason. And the doctor is like, I I don't want her on shift again. I want her out of here until there's a full investigation. Do not put her at this hospital. Hospital administrator said, no, there's no reason to think that. She's yeah. she's on she's working tomorrow. You don't like it, you can quit. And it's just another example of doctors having zero power. And she went on and killed more babies. So this, this lady's face is creepy. Ooh, yeah, that's a, it's like a smile. But oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. So it's doctor interrupted nurse Letby's attempt to kill a newborn baby. So yeah. She would inject them with air and just. Yeah, it's just horrific stuff. I mean, a psycho. Um, oh, I can. I would wager a pretty penny, demon possessed. But you know, it's, it's not. That's not part of the system. Being able, which is why I didn't bring it to the show. But it does show the powerlessness of doctors. It's like yeah. you've literally got a nurse killing, killing babies, babies, and you can't stop stop it as supposedly the person in charge. Wow! So. Wow! Yeah, that's wild. Gosh, that 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 does that is a big different. Yeah, issue. Hopefully, they lock her up. Right. No, it's wild that the doctor couldn't get rid of her. That yeah. kind of blows my mind. Doesn't give us doesn't give me a lot of hope for the medical no. system at all. <laughs> that's yeah. Why it's not really about trusting doctors or not tr- trusting doctors. It's like the system goes way beyond that, man. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the medical system, I do have an Albert Borla clip if you want to play that. Oh, sure. Yeah, I'd love to hear from Albert Borla. What's he up to today? So he uh, Pfizer bought a company called CGen, who does mRNA stuff for Ooh, cancer. That's the future, bro. mRNA. <laughs> I know because I invested in the stock... It's called uh, mRNA stock. It's a company called Moderna. You ever heard of it? <laughs> you got to get it, bro. Oh, yeah. Everybody on Wall Street bets is doing it. <laughs> so that's how you know it's a good deal, man. That's how you know. Yeah. Stalling, stalling more, stalling. Pulling Albert Borla out. Pulling. Oh, Thomas. Wow. Interesting stuff. Sorry. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so this is, yeah, CNBC, and it's not a not a great clip, but, you know, whatever. Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, joins us now. Albert, great to see you this morning. $43 billion, a huge price tag. Tell us why CGen is worth it for Pfizer. Look, Meg, very nice to see you. Cancer is one of the biggest therapeutic areas, and... Uh, Right now, one in three people in the world are going to have cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, the numbers that people are affected is even larger because people, if not as patients, they will be affected as uh, uh, husband or wife, they will be affected as a uh, daughter or son, and even worse, as father and mother. And Sidgen uh, is having one of the greatest technologies to battle cancer. 
Uh, it's called ADC. These are turbocharged guided missiles that they are attacking the cancer cells and can make a huge difference. I would say ADC is something like the mRNA for vaccines. It is ADC for cancer. So we think that we can make a very big difference with this technology in our hands and provide uh, a relief to the world at a scale that has not been seen before from this devastating disease. Wow. And you also uh, expect that this could contribute something like $10 billion in revenue for Pfizer by 2030, contributing to an overall goal uh, you've set uh, that you've been trying to meet through M&A. Just tell us about, you know, what the financial impact on Pfizer will be here. It's going to be very positive, the financial impact on Pfizer. We should uh, be able to fill the gap, as you said, of between 25 and 30. This is where we're facing alloys. And we had the target to achieve 25 billions through M&A. Uh, you can until it. yesterday, we had 10 of these. We know Pfizer makes a lot of money. I don't. <laughs> it's CNBC, man. That's what they got to talk about. Yeah. So they. <laughs> you can't really just hear it, but if you watch the clip, it looks like he catches himself before he says, "Cancer is one of the biggest markets out there," and then he changes it to like therapeutic areas, therapeutic areas, like. Like, you know, he's thinking market. Like, oh, the cancer market, especially after we jacked everybody up with those mRNA vaccines? Oh, man, this is where we want to be. Cancer's where it's at. One in three people. You know how many people that is? It's like a lot of the people. That's like a lot of the people. Be awesome. And this stuff works literally almost as well as our mRNA vaccines do. So be excited, people. Uh, but one person was excited, oh. and this is uh, Twitter CEO Elon Musk, whose response, if he responds to a tweet, always appears at the top. Synthetic mRNA does have great potential to cure cancer. That's his comment. And, oh, that's interesting. Did he shut off comments? <laughs> no, he didn't shut off comments, but he shut off the listing of the comments because he was getting ratioed pretty hard on that one. <laughs> so you can't you can't tell how many comments there were, but it was a lot. As of a few days ago, it was yeah, considerably outpacing the likes. We'll put it that way. Um, so yeah, Elon. It does have, uh, you know, he's he's totally on our team. He's showing how corrupt the whole COVID scam was and the cooperation between the federal government and Twitter and all that stuff. It's all coming out. And, oh, yeah, but it'll totally cure cancer. mRNA totally will cure cancer. So just thought that was interesting. For sure. But, Well, should we thank some people? Do we have people to thank? We have a few. We have All a right. few. Let's do it. There, there's always people to thank, Andrew. It's just whether or not I update the spreadsheet. I, uh, we, I think we should give credit to our back office for updating you the spreadsheet. You want to play your little intro? I'm looking for it. Come on, man. 
I wanted to give I wanted to give credit to our our back office though for for doing the the spreadsheet, like like you had on that podcast last week. Oh the yeah yeah the, the whole team yeah the it, whole t- it takes a team it takes a team it take <laughs> it takes a it takes a whole whole team yeah no you you've you've got the spreadsheet updated uh yeah no I know I I. I didn't do it. I wanted to thank the back office for it, but oh, there's that right. So thank well, you for updating this good, spreadsheet, guys. Good work, back office. Whoever good, you are, good work, back office. You guys are awesome. I appreciate yeah. you, and we'll thank you in the in the outro when we do the credits. Okay, we'll right? Do, uh, yeah. Do you want to play that thing at the end, or do you have it now? Oh, Maddie B, coming in hot. Coming in hot. Revelations Radio. <laughs> Something hilarious about that every time. As you may have noticed, we will not be doing any advertisement. No live reads for JP Morgan Chase, <laughs> Washington Mutual. Lehman Brothers, SVP, Pfizer, <laughs> or uh, even uh, what's what's another one that's on all the podcasts? Simply Safe. Simply Safe. You just put it in your apartment. You just hook it up to the Wi-Fi. Yeah. None of those. None of those. None of those. We could do. Andrew's going to do a live read though for gold. I want Andrew to give his opinion on gold, well, and then <clears throat> seamlessly transition into selling gold. Go. I'm. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say his name yet. But a prominent realtor in the Oklahoma City metro area, also a YouTube star, sent me a message on Facebook that says, Sir, your podcast is amazing. (laughs) Is this the gentleman who uh, you may or may not have purchased your home from? Yes. Yes. So, uh, that is awesome. Shout out to him, and I will I'll mention him by name if I get permission to do so. But okay, yeah. so. well, I think he was the one who came up with the uh, socialist distancing, which I thought was pretty awesome. So welcome to Oklahoma, and you guys can do your socialist distancing with all the space we have here. Yeah, if anyone is thinking about uh, moving to, moving within, or moving from Oklahoma. And you want to know the name of the realtor? I will, and the YouTube channel. I will send it to you. Just send me an email. But <laughs> awesome. Well, since I did all the work to update the spreadsheet, you want to take it away there, Maestro? Sure. Yep. So can I interrupt you first, though? Oh yeah, he's. I don't I have expect any, it. I don't have anything to say. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. So for Revelations Radio News three hundred and thirteen. Yes, it's a palindrome. <sighs> It's a prime. It's a prime number too. Uh, it is possibly prime because three plus one plus three does not equal a number that three can go into. So it's possible. Yes, it's a prime number. Prime number. Nice. All right. All right. <laughs> Super important. Yeah. Uh, first of all, and very, very important to 
Revelations Radio News. Danny sent us $25, which that came in on the 10th, which means it's probably when our... No, our last podcast was released a little before that. You got the last one out fast. No, I got the last one out within a day. So yeah. poor uh, poor Danny had to, to give twice in like three days. <laughs> he was... I was late. With wasn't the la- ready for like and, uh, yeah. another like, one. Oh. <laughs> we appreciate you, Danny. You are yes. amazing. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And uh, we had an anonymous donation via PayPal for forty-seven seventy-seven. That's an interesting amount. And from parts unknown in Australia. And he did tell us his name, but he said no need to make public any of my details uh, he says ahoy lads been watching for a few months found you on will's channel thought it was time to send some bucks thank you very much would love a and copy of andrew's book yeah well, Ho- hopefully my address is attached to the payment thank you very much anonymous from australia and we do see your name there uh your address was not attached so if you could do revelationsradionews.com backslash support or excuse me backslash contact that will be a way to reach out to us or you could just email me tim at timkilkenny.com t-i-m at t-i-m k-i-l-k-e-n-n-y dot com and then you can send us your address and we can get it over to andrew so that he can send you the book yep but he also sent us a link for something to watch so nice we should check that out we, we've got all the donation types. So we got Give, Send, Go, PayPal, and next one is a PO box donation from Chrissy, who sent forty dollars from Manchester, New Hampshire. I believe that's a, at least a monthly donation. Oh yeah, no, she's awesome. She is yeah. amazing. And as a matter of fact, I feel bad. We, she, we called her Christine for a year plus at least, and then she wrote in and said, "I'd like to be known as Chrissy." So I promptly, uh, the entire time on the next donation, called her Christy. So she oh. she did say she still loves us and uh, wanted to get her name right. So thank you, Chrissy. So it's it's kind of like she's been um, recognized but misrecognized many times. Yes. So you know it's it's kind of crazy how consistent the wind noise is at your house. I have no noise here. What are you in? The office area, which is towards the front of the house, is the front door near you? Uh, the f- well, it's real. The front door is probably fifteen feet away. Is it? The, and I don't is know it if it gets window? whipped around in the entryway. Yeah, man, it's it's loud. It's loud. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Like I can hear yeah. through the whole podcast. Everybody's gonna be able to hear. It. I'm we, not complaining. We had, to unpl- we had to unplug the storm radio. So if there's a tornado coming in, I'm not even gonna know about it. It was making all <laughs> sorts of weird noises and like. <laughs> blaring all the time so it's too stressful so it's it's unplugged so if the you know if there's a tornado it's it could end badly here (laughs) i have a a solution a possible solution for some of your woes on that i learned something new this week and i wanted to pass it on to you so i will talk to you about it after after this okay all right uh Excellent interruption again, Tim. We got, we have so many donations though. I got to rip through a few of these. All right. Uh, another give send go from Caleb of seventy seven dollars. Caleb in Batavia, Ohio, 
And he has a verse for us, I believe. Let me scroll over here. He does a, a verse of the day for us. Uh, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Isaiah 53.5 Which, man, it really sounds like it's about Jesus. And written much earlier. Interesting. It's weird. Almost like there's, you know, God who inspired scripture and all of it's true. I don't know. Weird. All right. Uh, next donation, also via Give Send Go from Anonymous, $100. And the note is, thanks for your courage. Well, thank you for the $100. We much appreciate it. In the morning. <laughs> yes. ITM. <laughs> uh, what are some others we could throw in there? All right. Uh, also via Give, Send, Go, another $77 donation. That's like our new do- number, which is awesome. That's like the, the number of completion in the Bible. But uh, the Be Good broadcast. And got a note here, too. You've even got the notes updated? Or the back office. I'm sorry. The yeah, back office the back has office notes in here. This yeah, is great. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great show, boys. Looking to take you three-minute cold showers. Oh, I'm aware of the cold showers. He, Tim t- Tim's taking, like, ice baths over there. And the Wim Hof breathing method for the health of it. I'm 52 days in, and it's great. Also, if your listeners are looking to supplement the 52 excellent shows <laughs> that you do per year. Yes, 52 I humbly suggest my podcast, the Be Good broadcast. It's all biblical and none of it is me. Just others who are... Okay. So it's... Do I... The note guy gets cut off. Is it a podcast that highlights... Oh, wait a second. Uh, it's not cut off for me. Sorry about that. You'll you'll love the end anyway. Let me see if I can okay. move this thing out. Go ahead and... Yeah. I'll finish it for you. But it says, uh, Wim Hof breathing, be good project. It's all biblical and none of it is me. Just others who are spreading the word better than I ever could. P.S. It is flat, Tim. <laughs> oh, that's why the end of the note didn't make it on. No, no, it's there. It's there. You just, okay. you just need. I didn't like intentionally leave it off. I'm not. Okay. I'm not I'm that. Sure. I'm not. Not not only that. Not only am I not that crafty. I'm not that like into details. Like, oh, I should cut the end of this one off. We're, we're lucky we have a spreadsheet at all. Like, if it's done, it's done. I just threw it on there. So. No, that's no, what he put. So, but uh, this gentleman, I don't know. I should know his name. I've listened to the show because uh, his avatar or something on the No Agenda Social caught my eye one time, and I downloaded uh, a show. I think I'm subscribed to it actually, and I, and occasionally I tune into it. But yeah, it's uh, just like he says. It's it's a mix. It's a total mixed bag. I mean, it, you never know what you're going to get every every week. It's something different. I think there for a while he was doing Alexander Scorby's uh, reading of uh, certain books of the bible like he would just put that out so it's 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 uh i think it's a good it's a good podcast i i haven't heard a ton of it but what i have heard i've liked i think that i tuned in one time it was like a two three hour discussion with a a scholar on just like 
uh, something I can't remember, but it was on. So it's basically he's finding stuff that that he likes and putting it out there on that podcast feed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's called the Be Very Good cool. Broadcast. So yeah. All right, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. And uh, next donation from Jason of twenty-five dollars from the UP. Now, just off, based off memory, we have a donor from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And ah, is that the wondering. is that the UP? So he's on, from the UP on the last one. The week, the month before that, he didn't donate, but maybe ah. doesn't want us to figure it out. Yeah. It's possible. Maybe it's, it's just true. supposed to be left at that. And those who know, know. But, yeah. Yeah. It's a good guess, though. Yeah, fair enough. And last of all, uh, another anonymous donation of $35 from Parts Unknown. Thank you very much. Uh, that was also via Give, Send, Go. So definitely Give, Send, Go dominant. And uh, thank you to everybody who donated. Yeah, we we really did become like a give send go donation podcast. It's been yeah. uh, pretty pretty cool. The only thing I don't like about it is I they don't do a net. They don't give me a net. I have to do my own calculations. But that's nothing that uh, you guys have to worry about. It's actually it's, I don't even have to worry about it. I just have to explain it to to the people in the back office so that they can <laughs> can do the calculations. The accounting, t- the accounting team takes care the ca- of that. Yeah, that's the accounting <laughs> team. Yeah, they've been busy lately, too. It's, I guess the April tax season's coming up. and <laughs> Don't anything over $600. So we got to talk about how we're going to file taxes, by the way. Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody, for donating to the show. We appreciate you. This was Reve- Revelations Radio News, episode 313. Um, yeah, we greatly appreciate you. Oh, before I forget that I get, I still haven't got our buddy. I have completely forgot to give. No, I did. I did it last week. I just didn't put it in the thing. The buy me a coffee donation from our friend, uh, Chris. Never mind. That was last time. So my apologies. Moving on. All right. Thank you guys for your donations. We appreciate you. We really couldn't keep this show going and uh if we also had to pay out of our own pockets to make sure that it kept going it would be even less likely that it would keep going and we would never yes ever get anywhere close to 52 shows a year <laughs> Revelations Radio. not even 44 shows a year did we do 44 last year i think that's what we figured out yeah that's not, I think it's probably one of our better years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a kind of fun clip. And uh, hold on, before we go forward on that, I wanted to interrupt again because it's pretty much what I do at this point. I was thinking about something, and oh, uh, Tom Dunn asked us how Chris White was doing. And I was thinking about it after that because he didn't know we were still doing a podcast, and he didn't know Chris White was doing a podcast. And it's kind of weird because we both stopped, but it feels like both Chris White and us started right after the pandemic. Like once 2020 rolled around, we're like, I guess we got to keep doing the podcast. But yeah. we, we did stop for a while and so did Chris. It was kind of an interesting moment there. And I think uh, our good friend Danny from Medford, Oregon uh, said, uh, he said the best thing about the pandemic was both us and Chris came back <laughs> to podcasting. So. 
Yeah, now we just need a new debunkumentary. <laughs> Keep holding your breath, buddy. Keep holding your breath. Nah, he's working on it. Is he? We got a new debunkumentary coming out? Which, what's he's what? got lots of projects, but yeah. We'll, we'll see. Cancer, prepare to be debunked. Oh. We can oh. oh, are we doing that? Is that what we're doing? Okay. That's gonna be. It awesome. might be. That's yeah. gonna be awesome. If he does it, it would be very awesome, and uh, you know, although not necessarily of spiritual importance, a pretty important project. So, right. That's yeah, definitely very important. All right. Well, should we hear Thomas Massey tell us? How the federal government created my biggest pet peeve? (laughs) Sure thing. So here we are in the 118th Congress. I can't wait to reintroduce some of my best bills. One of them, I call it pasteurization without representation. This is the raw milk bill. You know, there was never a law passed by Congress to ban raw milk. It was the result of a lawsuit in the 80s that the FDA took it upon themselves to just condemn all fresh milk. And so the federal government has been raiding farmers who have been so audacious as to sell product straight from the cow to somebody across state lines. My bill is simple. If you uh, sell raw milk from a state that's legal into a state where it's legal, i.e. there are no state laws against it, then the feds won't come raid your farm. Seems pretty simple to me but it ticked off a lot of the milk lobbyists up here. And they said I would be responsible for death and carnage in the United States by enabling more people to drink raw milk. Well, my wife texted me that day and she said, I never realized the lactose lobby was this intolerant. We need the drum sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) Never knew the lactose lobby was this intolerant. Milk. Uh, that's the real reason, you know, that we can't get raw milk is the lobby. It's always the lobbies, but yeah, but I I knew there was no federal law. I did know that, but I didn't realize that it all went back to the FDA doing the the whole state lines thing. But it makes sense. That's how they go after some of those Amish farmers. It's like, oh, well, you're near the border and someone drove across state lines to get raw milk from you, so we could shut your farm down now. What is the state lines thing? It's like a liberal trope now. What's the, the poor guy who they shot the kids that were trying to kill him with the gun and the skateboard? Yeah. Yeah, he went across state lines. Took a gun across state lines. He went across state lines. State lines. Like, where what? it was legal to where it was legal. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's states all over the place, right? Well, it's it's not necessarily a like, liberal trope, although like a, like, it is in the fact that it's a way for the federal government to get involved in stuff with the interstate uh, commerce clause. And so it's like it's to drive from big government. And in that way, it's a liberal thing. It's like like driving from Oklahoma into Kansas. It's not like going from east to west Germany. They're driving across straight lines. Although I would say the the dairy lobby, the milk lobby, probably lots of kind of, you know, West Germans, rhino Republican types would be my guess. But 
Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm a big fan of milk. Uh, I like milk in all forms. Raw milk, kefir milk, Brahms milk, yogurt. I love I love milk. Turns out, when you're doing a ton of working out, uh, it's one of the best proteins you can get. Milk. And dairy and beef and, uh, yeah, you don't need all them veggies. <laughs> <laughs> Which, as an adult, makes me quite happy. I'm like, oh, all these years I thought I had to eat all these veggies. Turns out I didn't. That's weird. Yeah, that's, uh... Yeah, some good old high-quality upcycled ruminant. I don't know what the joke is there. What's upcycled ruminant? Yeah, beef. Ah. They've they've upcycled the grass into something better. High-quality animal. Ah, yes, 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 yes. We're like number two for the most cows, by the way, behind Texas. Like, that's what we do. We got cows and oil, which I don't know. I mean, we don't have any Silicon Valley companies, but I feel like cows and oil are important. Yeah. And having seen quite a few of both, I can say I would much rather see an oil well than a uh, wind turbine. <laughs> I mean, the size difference is, I mean, it's kind of, I'm, I'm not going to say it's like scenic to see the oil is the oil well even the right term or oil those rig? What do you call pump. those things? Those are pumps. Just pump, oil pumps. Okay. Yeah, those are pumps. So the, but at least they're like they're not massive. They don't. <laughs> no. They don't block out the whole sky. They don't. You know, you don't have to bring them in on special. You don't have to have a a twenty semi truck uh, line blocking both sides of a, a two-lane highway to get to get them set up I don't know. but but like the bad part is when the oil pump's done you know you can't turn it into gummy bears so <laughs> you can't turn it into gummy bears uh yes see revelations radio news 312 <laughs> what was it <laughs> who knows who knows at this point it's too many shows got that's all i got on the the raw milk tip so i sent this story to you uh, it was right after we did our last show and i'm not going to read the whole story but my question to you was did cnn try to turn Uh, itself back into a news organization that was weird so it's from thomas lake i don't recognize that name uh, but published by CNN, CNN.com. Why did this cop turn up dead? A heroic police officer rescued at least three people after the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. A year later, he was found shot in the head. And it's a pretty fair account. Like, it doesn't, it's not you just. You didn't a, say his name yet. Uh, Terry Yakey. Which is kind of crazy because the only journalist that I thought was going to say. The name Terrence Yakey for the rest of my life is going to be James Corbett. But no, in fact, uh, we got CNN people say it's weird. Yeah. And if you haven't seen have you seen A Noble Lie? Yes. Yeah. That's like a... It's been a while, though. I should yeah. probably... That's an amazing 9-11 was an inside job documentary for the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. 
It's yeah, there's I mean the whole story Believe it or not, yeah, you don't just have to go back to 9/11, you go back to the Oklahoma City bombing. But man, it's and before that, that's it's been a the wool pulled over our eyes, but the the media changed with 9/11. And I think that was the difference, but Yeah. So the the Teriyaki story, if you don't know, hero cop oh. who pulled people out of the it happens, rubble. Yeah, happens to be a block and a half away doing a patrol when the Oklahoma City, uh, when the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building explodes. He's like right there, coincidentally right there. And, and he was known as, you know, kind of like a super cop prior to that like he, yep. one time his his car broke down and he ran the rest of the way to the call like the <laughs> guy the guy looks like a, a football linebacker yeah and yeah he just got out and ran like multiple miles to the call to <laughs> but, he took he took his job very seriously yeah so the he pulls people out and they're going to give him, you know, Medal of Valor. And he didn't want it. And he started asking questions. Because something didn't this, add up. It From goes when back he to showed the, up to yeah. the official story, something didn't add up. And he was told numerous times to change his... Yeah, look at this. Yeah. Uh, Somebody just put on Twitter flashback rec- requiem for the suicide of Terrence Yakey on March yeah, 10th. James, so that was well. J- James Corbett put it put it back out. I oh, don't know if he? he saw this particular story, yep, uh, sure or if did. there was you know a response to it. But uh, yeah, the requiem for the suicide. So people should, if you have not dug in, which is very possible if you're yeah, not for sure. as old as we are and been into this as long as we are. Uh, so. This article will be in the show notes, but Requiem for the Suicided for Terrence Yakey from uh, James Corbett, definitely worth listening to. And just the Oklahoma City bombing stuff. If you haven't looked into that story and why people, you know, there's there's reasons why people question that, just like we question 9-11. So, just, like, just as uh, uh, damning is the story of Kenneth Trentadu. Kenneth Trinidou is Jesse Trinidou's little brother uh, who got into a bunch of trouble. He gets killed right here in Oklahoma City at the Prisoner Transfer Center. I think that's at uh, Will Rogers International Airport. But he's in custody, police custody, and completely is beaten to death, dies, and then they rule it a suicide. What in the world was happening there? How is it related to the Oklahoma City bombing? I will leave that to to you guys (laughs) to go find. But yeah. It they is. thought he was John Doe number two. They sure Or did. they created John Doe number two to look like him yeah. to hide the actual identity of whoever else was involved just in the rider truck part of it, which even the rider truck part of it with Timothy McVeigh and whoever the other person was that supposedly doesn't exist even though everyone saw him. And I remember, I remember as a child seeing on the national evening news, John Doe, number two manhunt continues, yep. you know, like 
And I've told um, this story before. I was also a child, and I was rolling newspapers and watched and rolled, you know, hundred newspapers and was able to read the front page story while I rolled them. You know, you roll one up, and the next one's just right there. And uh, then guess what? Picture of two people: John Doe one and John Doe two. Yeah. 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 So. All of a sudden, John Doe 2, you know, that got memory hold, and you're not supposed to believe in that there was a second person, even though multiple witnesses and descriptions and manhunts and everything else. And the fact that the rider truck, just a little detail, uh, didn't have nearly the explosive power from the fertilizer and whatever else to do the damage that was done to the building. And there were reports of other bombs in the building. Which and I would unexploded bombs. Unexploded bombs, which yeah. I would posit was some of the at least part of what Terrence was upset about finding, and when he went to submit his report, uh, reported, and then was told to change it, and he refused, and yeah, yeah, just goes goes on from there. Um, yeah, the whole thing, and the whole thing stinks. This is the middle of Whitewater, the Whitewater investigation. I think you could throw the Clintons into this whole thing. You can yeah. put... Uh, uh, well, that was the, the original this? kind of patriot militia movement. This yep. is to take that down. Yep. Yeah, it was a false flag to take that down. And there was Whitewater paperwork there under investigation uh, of the Clintons. And what was the other thing? Uh, the guy, the pilot, what's his name? Investigation into him for out of Mina, Arkansas. Oh, whatever. Tom Cruise made a movie about him. I know who you're talking about. I can't think of the name. Yeah, though. but anyway, this is uh, a rich, rich tapestry. But uh, so the also also oh I forgot the uh, the uh, cameras downtown mysteriously stop working when Darren Yankee drives by to 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 go uh, to the uh, Murrah Building to start pulling people out. Also, same cameras malfunctioned as uh, they were pulling the rider truck up the day before. Tough, tough, weird, weird cameras, right? Like weird yeah. cameras. So, yeah, kind of those, some of those Epstein cell cameras. Yeah, for yeah. sure. They had those back in '94. And don't forget the punchline. And I hate to say it in that way, Lord forgive me. That the uh, Terrence Yakey didn't he slit his own wrists, cut his throat, and shoot himself in the head, and then uh, walk a half a mile from his car? Is I think what he did for his well, sui- his suicide. Yeah, yeah I think he uh, he slit his wrists, disposed of the blood, <laughs> drove a couple miles, walked half a mile. And then shot himself in the back of the head. Yeah. In an area, um, after meeting two men that he was worried about meeting and thought it might be a setup and a trap. And he, he thinks they might was, be feds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the reporter, and that's the thing, like you would expect from CNN to get the official story that we've all heard, like, they found that it was a suicide and just leave it at that. And there's no evidence that no, they go through the, they go through the evidence and they mention the fact that no one who knows him thinks he committed suicide. Yeah. They all think he was killed. Let me, you know. let, let me, let me also exp, uh, put shed some light on, on the uh, subject for anybody who doesn't, uh, has never seen a picture of Terrence Yankee. It's a very large man linebacker like you said african-american gentleman looks like he could 
run through a brick wall, run a couple miles, you know, easily uh, handle himself. Uh, if you were to slit his wrists, <laughs> you would probably have a struggle with a lot of blood <laughs> that would yeah. take place over a long period of time, over a great distance of time. And eventually you would have to overpower him and shoot him because that's not, you know, <laughs> this is not the type of dude you're just going to cut his wrists and then stand right. there with him while he dies. This is going to go very very messy very very quickly and that's what happened yeah you know just conveniently just drove himself out to el reno yeah two miles from the federal prison yeah to commit suicide very yeah totally makes sense right totally makes sense all right i think we gotta wrap this up pretty soon you got the time code that yawn. We can't have the yawn on on our podcast. <laughs> I'll be sure to take that out. Let me All see. Right. One minute. Okay. Uh, I wanted to mention this story. I have not watched the Tucker Carlson January 6th stuff. I've heard different people talk about it. But there was an interesting article by John Dale Dunn on American Thinker that says Tucker pulled his punches. And it just goes through like what he could have showed and what he showed instead. Hmm. And unfortunately, it makes a lot of sense and it would lend to the Tucker's allowed to, to talk about it when it's either time to talk about it or when it's a limited hangout, Hmm. you know, it's time to like, you could talk about up to this point, just don't go further. You know, as long as it's just like, uh, some of those Democrats and it's probably all right to talk about, but, Hmm. but January 6th, which are, I mean, I don't know. We I think we did a show right after January 6th, didn't we? Yeah, that day. I think we were doing a show uh the like evening Pollock, after the, the evening of January 6th. January, yeah, the evening of cuz it was we used to do the show on Wednesday like we're doing now because I was off of work and I remember watching it live. I I watched it live. We did it live. Yeah, I I mean, you could see the just wandering calmly through that day live yeah it's like to the point where uh i remember someone at my job like freaking out about it and then i i was like oh i'll go see what's going on and then i'm like wait a second and i watched trump's speech live where he was barely like made don't it, be violent I, I barely made it to the end because it was such a boring oh, vanilla yeah. speech and i'm like oh well, i'm glad i didn't fly to washington dc to, to hear that joke of a speech and then it's like oh worst thing ever they're breaching the capital and it's like well it looks like people are walking between the ropes and yep. there's just some they're focusing on some guy and horns yeah <laughs> other than that there's some people walking around going nancy yeah. <laughs> which is funny <laughs> just funny yeah. i don't care who you are and they later made that into like some terroristic threats 
I think the best thing that came out of January 6th is it let everybody under, like realize like how scared of regular people the politicians are. Well, they know this they know the scam, right? I mean, they they know how mad ordinary people should be at them so that you know, the wicked flee when none pursueth. I like it. I like it. Uh January 7th was when this was published. Revelations Radio News 212 <laughs> a coup d'etat. <laughs> Which is a, a, a I, I, bit tongue in cheek. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I think that was. I mean, I meant it. That was, but I think it was the other way around. Like it wasn't. Yeah. I think the coup d'état happened afterwards when they gave uh, old what's his name a challenge coin. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Andrew and Tim try their best to unpack the events of January 6, twenty twenty one, as well as the entire year of twenty twenty. Hmm. Wind's still blowing, Tim. It is so loud, bro. Eleven thirty at night, it's like so loud. It, the gorge uh, is kind of known as a windy area. Oh yeah, but it, yeah, the wind almost always dies down at night in the evenings. Yeah. So yeah. It's, Welcome to the Great Plains, where the, pra- it, it the also, prairie, where there is no rhyme or reason to any of that stuff. Yeah. Oklahoma wind can come from any direction any and dire- still be blowing 50 miles an hour. <laughs> you do know, though, it can come from this direction, that direction. It's east, it's west, it's south. It's, it, you know. When it comes from north, though, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the Colorado, Arctic, North Dakota wind. When it comes from the north, then you know. That's the, that's the cold wind. Huh? That's the cold one. That's the cold one. All right. And some other eugenic stuff. A um, couple stories. I haven't even gotten my way through them on frequency medicine and frequency, I guess, anti-medicine, poisoning, like EMF stuff from Children's Health Defense. So I will try and remember to save those for next week. Fair enough. Yeah, there was some, you know, I wasn't, I don't know if anything happened. Did anything happen today? Because I was not paying attention today. Uh, I don't know that anything happened today. I hope there's nothing that, you know, neither one of us paid attention to and everyone's like, I thought you were going to talk about. Well, I I was continuing to, I've been watching the stock market for the last, because I'm, Waiting for it all to come down. I don't know, but I'm just watching it all. And, and it, we were, we started off the day pretty red. It did uh, trend a little bit better before the end of it, but uh, yeah, I didn't see, I didn't see anything too crazy. All right. So the does the name Bruce Reinhardt ring any bells? No. All right, so there's a guy named Doug Mackey who is facing 10 years in prison for posting a joke on Twitter. No. And he was the... Representative Massey? What? Nothing. You just... Doug Mackey. I know. Just trying to make a joke. So, 
Ricky Vaughn, you know, the character from the movie, that was his Twitter personality. Right. And <laughs> so he did a joke about like, oh, you know, vote for whoever on with the wrong election day. And they're trying to uh, lock him up. And the judge, Bruce Reinhardt, same judge um, who was prosecuting Jeffrey Epstein, then recused himself to become Epstein's lead attorney, and the same guy who uh, was the judge who approved the Mar-a-Lago search, that Judge Reinhardt. So, oh, good. Seems like a good I, I hope he's got some good lawyers, because it's not looking good. Above board type of dude. Going to jail for Twitter. Not wow. worth it. Wow. What did he tweet on Twitter? Tweet on Twitter. It was something um, which was... I I don't even know. I think it was... <laughs> I mean, mainly he did, like, satirical memes. But wow. uh, let me... Here. All right. So he got doxxed in 2018... And then, and they waited until, obviously, because they couldn't do it while Trump was in office. They waited until 2021, and it was like one of the first days after Biden took office. He was charged with election interference. And, uh, let's see, DOJ alleges he engaged in conspiracy to defraud people their voting rights by posting satirical memes... Um, specifically circulated images which suggested that one could vote by texting the word Hillary to a phone number. (laughs) A mechanism so patently ridiculous that it couldn't be taken at face value. So he interfered in the election by telling people to vote for Hillary by texting a number. (laughs) And they want to send him to jail for 10 years. These are like so. the people who interfere in election by paying for $20,000 in Facebook ads when, yeah. Ru- when Russia stole the election. Yeah. So that's... I'd, I'd, I'd like to see, uh, you know, maybe Donald Trump stand up for his supporters like that, you know, before they get locked up forever. The one thing I will say, so you haven't seen the Tucker coverage, but the one thing I will say about what I have seen and heard of the Tucker coverage is they, uh, he does make quite the case for our, the hour, for the quote-unquote QAnon shaman. I mean, he's being led around by two police officers the whole right. time. He barely yeah. does anything. Stops for photo ops, like he's some sort of celebrity. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I would have thought, or I initially i don't know if it's in the podcast or not kind of thought he was a fed <laughs> like initially yeah but i don't think that now it's too long of a you know they wouldn't the ray ray epps types are the the feds where they just magically you know actually did incite violence and don't get in trouble for it so well and another another thing that we talked about is uh When you watch that footage or any of that footage, and I've watched a little bit of it this week, uh, there are definitely, most certainly, people at the front of the line with brand new Trump stuff with their faces obscured. <laughs> Remember we yeah. talked about this? Trump yep. flags with wrinkles on them that are brand new. 
you know, Trump hats that have never been worn before, <laughs> yep. Make America Great that have never been worn before, worn by people who are also wearing like a, you know, ski mask style hat. <laughs> <laughs> they still have their Antifa gear on. Yeah. Remember, remember we I think we talked about on that episode, the Antifa people were saying, we're going to D.C. to confront the Trump people on January 6th. And then they didn't show up. Or yep. did they? They did. They were just yeah. wearing all that gear. And that's why what's-his-name was... Uh... Yeah. That's why what's his name was there the the supposed or the former Olympic athlete who was right next to <laughs> Ashley Babbitt, figure skater or whatever, yeah, who got an interview with Don Lamont right afterwards. I mean, the whole thing just yeah, reeks. working for CNN or yeah. just the whole thing reeks. Well, this has been a trip down uh, rambling memory lane with Andrew and Tim. We appreciate uh, you guys yeah, making it if, this far. Yeah, especially if you if none of that made sense, then thank you for sticking with it and it. It does all tie together. If you pay attention long enough, it all kind of... You see not just patterns, but the same scam keeps going for decades. Yeah, 100%. 100%, that is exactly what happened. So, anyway... uh, My only financial advice is to ask me what I would do and do the opposite. That's my (laughs) only financial advice. Here we go. Andrew's financial advice. Buy... Bitcoin and gold and, and do the and, opposite and guns <laughs> and White Castle burgers. <laughs> Oklahoma That's barbecue. That's a Dr. Future thing. That's a Dr. Man. Future thing. Andrew's just into yeah. Oklahoma barbecue. I've, I've never eaten a White Castle burger. Fully. I don't think I have either. <laughs> Fully converted Oklahoma barbecue. Only way to go. Yes. <laughs> Period. End of story. Local meat. Maybe we'll get our. Maybe we'll find our raw, raw milk up closer to us if they change the laws, Andrew. That, that's all I want. Just that's. Just a couple tweaks in Oklahoma, bro. Would you do the raw milk fast? It's like three straight days, three seventy-two hours of just nothing but raw milk. Sure. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do it. I don't know. I heard it's good. <laughs> Everybody's or a beef beef bone broth fast would be good. Nothing oh, yeah. but beef bone broth for three days. But you've been doing beef bone broth. No, I've said that that's that's good too. I've never done the three full days, but let's go carnivore diet just all the way. Carnivore diet. Here we go. I, I'm not a millionaire, so we're gonna need donations to fund that. <laughs> well, if you. You know, the nice thing is you don't have to eat that much because then if you're not eating all the junk that makes you want to eat a lot more, you know, you don't need it as much if it, if all of it's really high quality. So. Agreed. Agreed 100%. Okay. Thank you guys for sticking with us. Thank you for going down this trip down memory lane with us. Thank you for donating. Thank you for sending us emails. We appreciate them all. And uh, yeah. I guess we'll see you guys again next week. Thanks, everybody. Sorry about the wind. <laughs> it's God's wind, man. You can't do anything about the wind. I can't do anything about it, but I guess I, I don't know. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. 
To contact Andrew and Tim or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say we're